Hey there, we're about to start our free training, the 3 p.m. teacher that only happens once a year. Teachers are learning how to consistently leave school prepared and on time without bringing work home so that they can finally be present during precious family time at night and on the weekends. When you attend this free training, you get an hour PD certificate and other bonuses when you show up live. You will learn how to lesson plan faster, how to spend less time on grading, your actual teacher type, and how it's preventing you from really leaving school on time. I can't wait for you to join us so that you can finally have the best school year ever. Hey, I'm Kristen Donegan, and you're listening to Real Teacher Talk. I often say what's on a teacher's mind, and my mission is this. Help busy teachers leave school at three so they can finally enjoy their life outside of the classroom. Why? Because I know how tiring it is to have a never-ending checklist as a teacher and miss out on being fully present at home. On Real Teacher Talk, discover how to work smarter, not harder, enjoy teaching again, and still have plenty of time to shut off your brain outside of the classroom to do the things you love. Sound impossible? I promise it isn't. Welcome back, everybody, to Real Teacher Talk. It's Kristen Donegan, and I'm here with one of my good girlfriends. We've become friends over the years. Um, You have probably heard her, chatted with her. She's known as the Center Fairy. It's Farah Henley from Farah Henley Education. Farah, welcome, welcome. Hey, girl. I'm so excited. I, I was so excited when I got the email from your team about that you wanted to have me on the show. And I actually wrote back a very snarky response. Like, I don't know, what's it worth to her? But I thought if I was sending this directly to Kristen, I'd probably do that. But I didn't want to freak the team out by doing that. So. <laughs> They know you. They know your personality. Farah has been in education since 1997. When she said that, I was like, holy moly, I was still in high school then. So she has been around. She's done all sorts of things in the last 25 years. But when you say the last couple of years, she's really, really focusing on helping teachers simplify their classroom systems. Specifically, I know you as, as center organization, but centers, management, and just like systems in your classroom. So you can focus on teaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. We hear it all the time. Just shut your door and teach. But there are things in your own four walls that if you don't simplify, you can't even just shut your door and teach. So that's what we really focus on. And one of the things that happened towards the end of my career was I started realizing that um, there were a lot of systems I had that were way more complicated than they needed to be. And they were causing a lot of what you talk about in your programs too, with don't stay, (laughs) like stop being the last car in the parking lot. And a lot of my own systems were causing that. So we started looking at specifically some systems that we could simplify. And then there were other systems like the one we're going to talk about today uh, with centers that I actually simplified pretty early on in my career because it wasn't working and nothing out there was working. And that's what I teach teachers now because none of us learned how to do this in our programs at all. No, we didn't. So much trial and error and time wasted. So if you're one of the teachers like Farah mentioned, where you've got all sorts of things going on and maybe you're overcomplicating things or your centers aren't working the way that you really want them to, like if you could wave a magic wand and what would center time look like, 
Like people always look at me like I'm crazy and that I love center time in our classroom. It was the most peaceful time of the day. It's when we got so much work done because we had a system that worked. So let's chat about that today, Farah. I'd love to know um, as we get started, what do you think is probably one of like the number one mistakes that teachers make when it comes to their centers? And when we're talking centers, ELA and math, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important to distinguish first and foremost, when we say centers, like what there are so many purposes for centers. And I think we need to really define what the majority of teachers are actually using centers for. And this actually kind of lends to that number one mistake that I see teachers make is not really being clear on what the purpose of their centers are. And we see things like there are programs out there where, where students are supposed to like choose where they want to go. And maybe there's, you're in a, a classroom where you have like the dramatic play centers. And there's all these different ways that centers can be used. But 95% of the time, the reason that teachers are using centers, and I specifically coach teachers in K through five, so that's that's where I'm looking at. They're using centers in order to keep their students occupied, the ones that are not at their table because they're teaching in small groups. And so the number one problem that I see is that they are focusing on what's going on in their centers instead of what the purpose of that time should be, which is what's going on in their small groups. And they make centers a bigger deal than they really need to be. So that's really probably the biggest mistake is not understanding where your focus really should be during that literacy block or that math block at your small group table. I mean, that's the whole point of small group instruction is you should be focusing on the students that are at your at your table. And what happens, I go in and do observations and pushing coaching on campuses. And what happens is I watch and they are not actually getting to teach in their small groups because what they've done out with the other kids, they've worried about, are they engaged? Are they having fun? Which are important things. Yes, I'm not saying those are important in your classroom. But when you put too much emphasis on that, on those factors within a system that is literally its only function is to keep them occupied so you can teach, then it just throws a bunch of monkey wrenches into the mix that you don't really need. And I think that's where we come back to our kind of motto is that KISS model that keep it stinking simple. You know, I'm over here in the South, so we, we like stinking. We like to take the G's off of anything with ING. So keep it stinking simple and understand that, yes, you want activities that are engaging. Yes, you want activities that are meaningful. But one of the words I hate, that R word, do you know what R word I'm talking about? Rigor. Oh, there's a time and a place for it. Okay. And maybe what's going on in your small group table, maybe you need to use the R word, but what's going on in your centers, they can be simple activities. And kind of next to that, which was what I would say is the second biggest mistake they make is that your centers should be used for review and enrichment. Only, and I can't tell you the number of teachers that I hear come to me and they're like, well, my principal and our, it's our admin, our principal, whatever says we have to have a center for whatever we're teaching that week. 
And I'm like, then you need to have your principal or admin call me because they need to understand you can't ask kids to do something independently that you're just now teaching them. (laughs) That makes no sense. See, though, I would kind of push back on that because I would do it that way, but it wouldn't be something super, super challenging. Like if we're doing whole group instruction and we're learning something with like parts of speech, like we're working on collective nouns. I would introduce that as a center, but it's something where it's just left for them to like figure it out, you know, where there's, there's things that can help support them as they're doing it. They're working on a partner. They're doing some sort of sorting activity. They're able to check their work. Like it's not just throwing it out there brand new. So it's possible, but I totally get what you mean about spiraling. So like go back to something you, you did last week or the week before to make sure that it's not just like a one and done Right. Well, and what we see a lot of times and what the mistake I was making in my own um, classroom, which has led me to be like, oh, this makes so much sense, is I would sit down to plan my lesson plans for the week and I would have new concepts coming up on my lesson plan. Then I would plan my centers and I would put a center of that topic out. And I'm like, wait a minute, when I put my kids into centers, I start with a group. There are three other groups or four other groups that haven't actually gone through the lesson yet, but yet they may be in a center. And I see a lot of teachers doing that. So it's really, I have a rule of thumb and I teach my students, nothing goes in the center that wasn't introduced at least two weeks ago, because at least they have had some sort of introduction to it. So for example, with collective nouns, I'm just going to use that since you pulled it out. I may have introduced nouns a couple of weeks ago. And maybe I'm going to put noun centers out and maybe I throw some collective nouns in the mix. But if they haven't actually had the lesson on what a collective noun is, I'm going to be very careful about putting that particular concept into a center where I'm expecting them to work independently. Because what happens, the number one complaint that teachers have about centers during small groups is they're constantly interrupted at their table. Well, they're interrupted because they have questions. So if you put things in centers that are going to require them to ask questions, they're going to interrupt you. And you can have all the things in the world of the ask three before me, but then you've got kids moving around. And my whole thing with simplifying the system is I need you to get into a center. I need you to stay in that center and I need you to do the work that's in that center so that I can focus on the small group. So I had to look at How do I make that happen? And it seems really rigid when you say it like that, but I can tell you by far my favorite time in my classroom was small group instruction. My kids loved doing centers. I have teachers that ask me all the time. They're like, but are the kids engaged? Do they like the activities? Yes. And you know why? They're not bugging me, number one. So they're not frustrated, but also they're able to be successful in the center And there is something about a kid actually going, I know I can do this and I can do it on my own. And, and it cuts down on those interruptions. So I'm not, I'm not interrupted at my table. I had a teacher who's actually in my program uh, that the first, I, she actually did her first year student teaching with me. And so then years, several years later, she came and went through my free training and she decided to DIY it, take what I had taught in the free training. She's like, I'm going to go do this on my own. The following year, she came back and went through it again. And she actually joined my program. 
And it was funny because at about January or whatever, she ended up reaching out and she ended up doing a video, an alumni video of her transformation. And she said the biggest thing that she realized was around the November, end of November, when they were getting ready to go into the holiday, she had a grade level meeting with her team. And she taught just math, departmentalized math for third grade at the time. And she said, I met with my team. And they were talking about what they were teaching. And I was like, I taught that like three, four weeks ago. And they were like, how are you already this far ahead? And she couldn't figure out how she got ahead. But what she did was she went back and she realized that the reason she was ahead was because by implementing a simple system that meant she could actually teach in her small group she wasn't wasting time and she was able to get through material faster. And she was like, that was eye-opening to her that, wow, when you actually simplify what's going on out here so that I can actually focus on what matters, I actually get to teach the material I'm supposed to teach and I can progress them a lot faster than what I normally would be progressing them. So it's just all about simplifying. I love that. And it's like that with any any system, like not even just your center system, any system in your classroom, if it's working and it's smooth and your class like it knows what to do, you aren't wasting transition time and instruction time and crazy concept. But yeah, you get to teach like that's what we all went to school for. <laughs> I was going to say with any system that you have in your classroom, if it's not working or you feel like it's working, but it could be better. Rule of thumb, take something away before you add something to it. Because most of the time, if you take something away from it and it's still working, then it's you've made it even simpler. I see teachers too many times, they've got a system that they've got one, especially teachers that have a system that's working, but maybe it doesn't look pretty. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not Pinterest worthy or it's not Instagram worthy. Uh, and then they go to Instagram or they go to Pinterest and they, they see something that looks cute or looks beautiful. And they think, oh, how can I incorporate that with whatever's working? And it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. First of all, uh, take something away before you add something to it. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. So if you had to share three simple tips to simplify your centers right now, what would you say to teachers? That's my three big things that I teach. And that is clarity. You need to make sure that your students are clear in what they're supposed to do. And a lot of teachers are like, well, wait a minute. I do tell them what they're supposed to do. I do show them what they're supposed to do. And they still don't do it. Um, when I talk about clarity, I'm talking about making sure that the activities themselves are clear. They're simple. They're predictable. That's a huge one. Don't change up the type of activity. And I get pushback on this because teachers are like, won't they get bored? Yeah. Won't they get bored if they're constantly doing clip cards or if they're constantly doing, you know, I'm like, no, I have about 15 to 20 different styles of games that go into centers and no, they don't get bored. They don't get bored at all. You're changing out the content. So that makes it new. And then if it's a couple months in and they are like, okay, it's time for a new game, then you can introduce a new, I put everything in quotes, game, everything in our class is a game. And then you do the same thing. Then they play that game with different content each week. And it's, yeah, if you're changing out the game or whatever is expected every week, they're going to get confused because they're going to have to relearn it. 
They do. And that is something that happens because if you're doing rotations, for example, typically small group rotations are 10 to 15 minutes, right? If you're blessed and you can get 20 to 25 minutes, then you're blessed. I'm not a rotation person. I'm probably one of the few. You're not a rotation person? Mm -mm. We just did a straight, I I tried it and I cried when I taught kinder. That's because it wasn't simple. That's because it was kindergarten and no one told me any better. I went back. Ours looks different. I love her. Ours are a straight 60 minutes of like what they like. Each group has a must do different activities and then they work on their majors. But it's same idea where they end up rotating through everything. Well, like I said, 10 to 15 minutes. And so there's a short amount of time that they have to work on something right in order to get through everything. And so whatever that activity is, when they get to it, they need to be like, oh, I know this is the exit ticket because all the exit tickets look like this. I know this is the instruction sheet because all the instruction sheets look like this. And they look at the game and go, oh, it's a matching game or, oh, it's a sorting game or, oh, it's a clip game, whatever the type of game is. And now they just have to be like, am I looking for short vowels or long vowels? Am I adding or am I subtracting? But how the game functions is not going to change that much because if they have to get to a center and figure out how a game functions, they're going to waste the first seven minutes at least just figuring out how the game functions. And now you're expecting them to complete the work in the last eight minutes or whatever it is. So that that's the first thing is clarity, making sure that they're clear on what they're supposed to do by giving them those predictable patterns in their game styles. The second one is consistency. And this is a big one. We've all been there where we get our small group instruction block interrupted by something, whether it's a a drill, a lockdown drill now, always a drill, or that dreaded assembly that could have been an email. That happens as well. Um, Anything can interrupt it. And we say, oh, we get back and we don't have time to do centers. And what I say is you still have to go through the motions. Um, I tell a really very personal story about um, the basketball player senior in high school who has a college scholarship to play basketball and she's done everything she needs to do. She's got the scholarship. She's headed to go play college basketball. But yet her senior year, she still gets up every single morning and she shoots 100 free throws at 5 a.m. before school that day. She's got the highest free throw percentage in the state. Why is she still doing this? Because the reality is, is that when it comes down to crunch time and the championship game and she's exhausted, the game is tied. She's at the free throw line. Her shot could win the game. She does not have the capacity to think about the form, the mechanics. Is my elbow tucked in? Is my hand in the right position? Are my thumb and fingers together? All the mechanics that go into making that system work. And we expect our students to kind of do the same thing. Our students are dealing with lots of trauma. Maybe some, uh, maybe a student didn't get to eat dinner the night before. Maybe a student had the parent, their parents were fighting and screaming and they didn't get to, you know, get in bed at a reasonable time. Maybe they were out at a older sibling's sporting event or their own sporting event and they got into bed late or whatever, but they come in. And if you're constantly skipping days for this system to work, then they don't have the time to form that muscle memory that is needed for how the system works. So even if we got interrupted, if we only had five minutes, I would still put my kids into centers and we would rotate through the system. And I would just be like, if we just got back from an assembly, it'd be like, all right, talk to your partner about something y'all just learned at the assembly. We'd go through the timing. It's like timer goes off. All right, everybody switch. They would 
just the muscle memory of how it's supposed to function it's consistency just making sure you're doing it every single day as much as possible obviously you know if a snow day happens don't come into school and <laughs> do centers see we would still because sometimes we'd have an assembly during our center time or i think it was like library time something so then we would double up on friday to get it in twice because I knew how important it was. But also, don't you think the consistency piece helps when you're out sick and you've got a sub? Like you have your sub and your students know exactly what to do because they've been doing it. Absolutely. This is a question I actually ask, and it's always funny to get the responses from teachers that go through my training. And I say, I want your gut reaction when I say this. I want you to pretend that I'm your principal and I'm just a cool principal because I think I would be. But you come into my office and you're like, hey, Miss Henley, I'm going to take three days off next week. And because I'm a cool principal, I'm like, cool. I don't even ask you where you're going. You got the time. I don't care if you got the time or not. Do what you're going to do. None of my business. But before you leave my office, I say, hey, make sure your centers are ready to go for the sub. What is your gut reaction? And trust me, 99.9% of the time, they're like, uh, no. Or say what? Never mind. I'll be there. That's always the (laughs) response. Never mind. I'll be here. And I'm like, that shouldn't be that way. If you are consistent with your system and your system is simple, then your students should be able to run that without you. And I even go as far as to say, ditch the display board. We literally, I teach teachers how to use some sort of display at the beginning of the year just to get the rotations introduced. But because they're going to be starting in the same spot, ending in the same spot, rotating the same way, within four to five weeks, that display does not need to be there. Like ditch the display. Like you could put so many more important things up on your wall than a display. And if you're still using one of those charts where you have to go in and be like, okay, these kids are going to be here today and these kids are going to be here to listen. I can't remember to take attendance, let alone remember to switch out that station chart. So keep it simple. And that goes back to the consistency too. If you forget to move people around, then you're wasting time in your classroom, moving people around. It's just stressful. Like why do that to yourself? Don't do it just because it looks cute on Pinterest or Lakeshore Learning. I don't know if you can like say that. (laughs) It's hurting your brain or like it's just not making sense to you. It's probably not making sense to them either. My third thing is uh, functionality and making sure that your system actually functions, not only functions again without you, but also functions in the sense that if you have a system that your kids are still interrupting you at your table because they need a pencil, or again, I'm giving all the secrets today, Kristen. I love supply stations. Okay. I get it. I love supply stations. I also love the idea of your kids using their own supply bags and taking those with them to centers, except Here's what happens. They get a center where they are required to have a green crayon. And lo and behold, three of your students don't have a green crayon because they lost it. And you're like, oh, well, they can just go to the supply station and get a green crayon. Yeah, but now they're having to get up out of their center and walk across the room. And if you teach lower elementary and heck, if you teach upper elementary, they are going to stop and talk to their friends and distract another center and distract another group. And there's so many things that can happen in those short seven steps to the the supply station. That my whole idea with functionality is just give them the resources and the supplies that they are going to need for that center. And you would believe how something that simple, 
I did it myself. That's why it's in the guide. I did it myself. You would believe how like mind blown. They're like, I have teachers every year. They're like, I didn't think about that. I did something so simple and tiny. It's always the simplest things have the biggest impact. It is. Well, and I mean, you see that in your programs too. I mean, because you teach uh, teachers how to organize their classrooms and and do things and set up systems to keep themselves organized so that they don't get stuck at school till 10 o'clock at night. But a lot of your teachers tell you, they're like, why didn't I think of this? And it's like the little thing on houses that hold your Christmas lights on houses. Like that little piece of plastic that holds the Christmas light was invented by a guy from a town about 30 minutes from my hometown here in Texas. And uh, I see that thing every year in Walmart. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Why did I think of that? Like, that is the simplest thing in the world. It's just a clip to hold your lights. Yeah, somebody invented the pool noodle. I mean, come on. So (laughs) we don't think of the simplest things because we have a tendency to overcomplicate things because if it's simple, it must not be effective. And that is a very big misconception in the education in our realm is that if it's simple, it must not be effective. And that's so not true. So not true. That's such a good point. Well, I appreciate you being here sharing three simple tips to simplify your centers. It was clarity, consistency, and functionality. I wish you got to come in my classroom. I would have loved your input. <laughs> your, your sass. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Where can people find you to connect with you and to learn more about your center system and maybe even your program? Absolutely. Well, they can find me on social media under Fair Henley Education. Typically, if you just Google Fair Henley, you're going to find me. <laughs> but Fair Henley Education on Instagram, Fair Henley Education on Facebook. And then if you go to fairhenley.com, so no education, just fairhenley.com, right there on the page, they can actually grab a free guide to organizing. I know Kristen loves organizing organizing your math literacy centers. And I'll give you a hint. There's some labels in there, but it's because all teachers have labels, but yeah, they can just find all that there. Perfect. We will link all of that for you all down below and in the show notes. So you can connect with Farah. Farah, thank you again for being here, sharing your knowledge in a way that's really easy to understand so that people can take quick action and put it to use. Absolutely. And I, all to all your listeners, I tell all of mine, and anytime I do a video or anything is y'all keep being educational rock stars. I love it. And I always tell everyone as I'm going to now is thank you for being here today. Can't wait to see you next week and make sure you go take some time for yourself today. You deserve it. Whether it's a walk, reading a good book, watching Bravo, sitting in silence is my new favorite thing. Um, Well worth it. All right. (laughs) See you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Teacher Talk. Every episode you finish brings you closer to enjoying your time both inside and outside of the classroom. If you love what you're hearing each week, let me know by leaving a rating and a review. And while you're there, don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And as always, you can head over to easyteachingtools.com to check out all the links and resources from this episode in the show notes. I'll talk to you next week.